You're listening to Amazing Discoveries Audio. This is Echoes from the Past, Pictures of the Future, Episode 1, with Daniel Pell. All right, good evening everyone. It's really great to be back in Canada and back here at Amazing Discoveries. We have really looked forward to this series that is before us and I'm just incredibly excited about the week that we're going to spend together in exploring the Word of God and particularly the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation. And I entitled this series, Echoes from the Past and Pictures of the Future. And how many of you have seen the flyer? I hope you have seen one of these. And on the flyer it reads, We invite you to join us on an amazing journey of discoveries in the world of apocalyptic prophecies. Ancient scriptures reveal the rise and fall of empires leading to the very days in which we are living. The prophecies of the past are presenting pictures of what we can expect in the near future. With a world spinning out of control, many wonder what is next on the horizon. Through this prophecy seminar held in various countries of the world, many discover hope, comfort, and assurance for the days ahead, as well as finding honest answers to their questions. And it's my prayer that you will find honest answers to your questions as to where we are in the scope of time. What is before us? And so we are going to dig deep into the prophetic word. And uh, each evening we are going to be going through the book of Daniel and Revelation. And throughout the evenings we will progress in our journey through these books. Uh, some of you are familiar maybe with prophecy, have maybe studied it before. For others, it might be very new. Um, I believe that both there's going to be uh, a lot of source of inspiration for those uh, that are both very new in studying Bible prophecy and also for those that have studied prophecy before. So I'm very excited. And so we're just going to get right into our message tonight because we have quite a lot to cover. And as you see on the flyer, we have two topics that we'll be covering tonight. Our first presentation is entitled, A Lost Kingdom, and, our se- and then we're going to take a break, and then our second presentation is entitled, Prophetic Symbols and the Future of This World. But before we open God's Word, we need to ask for the Holy Spirit to be with us, as He is ultimately the teacher of His Word. So I invite you to bow your heads together with me as we invite God's Spirit to lead us in our study tonight. Father in heaven, we are grateful that we can begin this journey together in Bible prophecy. We ask for your spirit to inspire us, to lead us, to guide us, to teach us, to instruct us, so that we can understand the things that you have given to us, and that we might see where we are in time, and that we will be able to prepare ourselves for your coming as we know it is very near. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here in Canada at this place, here at Amazing Discoveries, and we pray for your Spirit to bless this series. For this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, what we're going to begin with is looking a little bit at the background of the book of Daniel. As I said, we're going to look at the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation, but our first presentations are going to be focused on the Old Testament book of Daniel. 
And uh, for about 10 years ago, um, I started getting really interested in studying the Bible and particularly the prophecies of the Bible. And I remember the very first times that I started to study the book of Daniel. I was just totally amazed at the accuracy of prophecy in showing us what has happened in the past and also showing us what is on the horizon. And so it has also been a very, um, I, I've been very passionate about studying Bible prophecy and sharing it with others. And so over the last uh, five, six years, I've been tra traveling um, around the world and sharing seminars like the one that that we are having here in Canada. And so I'm not just sharing this as a theory with you, but I'm sharing this really as something that has also uh, touched my own life and I could even say has changed my life. And I pray that through the study of prophecy that you will also experience the change that God wants us to experience as we draw closer and closer to Him. So a little bit of background about the book of Daniel. It is written with the backdrop of ancient Babylon. Babylon reigned between 500 and 600 years before Christ. And it is in this world that we enter as we turn to the pages of the book of Daniel. Now Daniel was a Jew, and my name is also Daniel, and actually the name Daniel means uh, God is my judge. And um, the topic of judgment is really also a theme that runs through the book of Daniel as we're going to see in later presentations. Daniel was a Jew living between five and six hundred years before Christ, and he lived in Jerusalem. Now, at that time, the kingdom of Babylon was growing and increasing, and King Nebuchadnezzar, which was king of Babylon at the time that Daniel lived, invaded Jerusalem and um, invaded Judah, J uh, Israel, and, and, and invaded Jerusalem and took Daniel, along with many others, captive. And so the prophet Daniel finds himself in Babylon as a captive. And this is how the book actually begins. And so here on the screen, you see the very first verses from the book of Daniel, and we're going to read it together. And I just encourage you also, if you have your Bibles with you, you can follow along in your Bibles. We will also have the verses on the screen here. And listen to what it says, Daniel chapter 1 and the very first two verses as we are introduced into this prophetic book, as we're traveling back in time, here we are between five and 600 years before Christ. And listen to what it says. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and what did he do? He besieged it. He besieged Jerusalem. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. It's quite a tragic scene right here at the outset of the story, because the chosen people of God, the Jews, um, were now taken captive by this pagan power, this kingdom of Babylon, and they are taken to Babylon along with the very articles of the house of God. That's talking about the temple that had been built in Jerusalem, this magnificent, beautiful structure where the Jews would come and worship their God. And so even the temple was destroyed and the articles of the temple were taken to Babylon. And so that's how the story begins. The story begins with captivity. 
The story begins with a nation that had been chosen by God that are now taken into exile. Now, of course, we ask ourselves the question, why did this happen? Well, when you read about the story in the Old Testament of the Jews as a nation, you will find that God chose these people to be a light to other nations around them. As a matter of fact, they had received very special blessings in order to share that with other nations around them. But the sad fact is that they, that they didn't share that light, but instead kept that light for themselves and many times even turned away from that light. And in the time in which we are now entering here, when Babylon took um, the Jews captive, this was a time of apostasy amongst the chosen people of God. As a matter of fact, they had gone after the nations around them and they had turned away from God. And God, in a sense, had to withdraw his, his hands of protection and the king of the north comes, the king of Babylon comes, and now they are captives by this foreign power, under this foreign power. They are taken into captivity. Interestingly enough, there was a prophet that lived at that time, or shortly before that time, by the name of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah prophesied that they would be captives to Babylon, in Babylon, for a period of 70 years. And that's exactly what happened. Now, Daniel, along with his friends and many others, were taken into captivity. They were taken on that long journey to Babylon. They walked by foot. And they entered into an entire new world. You can imagine being a young Jew, growing up in Jerusalem, and then being taken captive all the way to a foreign country, a foreign language, a foreign gods. Everything was foreign to them as they came to Babylon. Now, when you read the first chapter of the book of Daniel, you read about the captivity and you read how as they come to Babylon, something special takes place. Because Daniel and his friends that are now captives under the Babylonian king are selected and trained in the court of the king. Some of the wise and, and, and um, young people were selected and, and, and Babylon was basically, the king of Babylon was looking at them and thinking that they would be of value to him as counselors, as wise men. And so what he did is he took these young men and he trained them at his court, in, the, in his court, in his schools, in the Babylonian uh, schools. And in Daniel chapter 1, you read how the names of these Jewish young, young uh, men were changed to Babylonian names. And it's interesting to look at the meaning of those names. It's up here on the screen. Daniel, as I said earlier, means God is my judge. And the new name that he received in Babylon was the name Belteshazzar, which means Prince of Bel. One of the friends of Daniel was Hananiah, which means gift of the Lord. His name was changed to Shadrach, which means servant of sin. And sin was one of the Babylonian gods. Misael, who is what God is, his name was changed to Mesach, which means who is what Eku is, another Babylonian god. And then Azariah, whom Jehovah helps, his name was changed to Abednego, which means servant of Nebo, another Babylonian god. It's interesting that they come to a new culture, a new kingdom, a new place. Their names are changed, and yet what Babylon could not do is they could not change their characters. They could not change, in essence, who they were. 
And when you look at the story in the book of Daniel, and particularly the first section of the book, deals with what these young men experienced in Babylon. And it's very obvious from these stories, as we're going to see as we progress in our studies, that though their names were changed, their character could not be changed. Their character was devoted to God. Their character was devoted to the Lord whom they worshipped, the Creator. And though Babylon changed their surroundings and though Babylon changed their names, they could not change, in essence, who they were. Now, in chapter 1, the story continues there, and you can read it in Daniel chapter 1 about what happened. They come to the courts of Babylon, and as I said, they were selected to be trained there, and they are given particular food. They are given the food uh, there to eat from the king's table. And the food that is presented to, to them, the meat and the wine of the king, um, is, is, is not really the food that these young men thought was the best for their bodies and for their minds. And so what happens there in Daniel chapter 1 is really interesting. The young man, Daniel and his friends, they ask for a different diet. And they ask for a healthy diet of vegetables and water to drink instead of the wine of the king because they know that if they can keep their minds clear, if they can have a healthy uh, body, if they can have a healthy life, that that in turn will give them the ability to think clear and to be able to worship their God in this foreign country, in this foreign place. As a matter of fact, uh, a verse that is probably one of the most the key verse, we could say, one of the most uh, outstanding verses there in the first chapter of the book of Daniel is Daniel chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says the following, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself." And what happens is that he is permitted um, to, 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 to try out the diet that he proposed for a period of, 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 of 10 days. And after those 10 days, he is investigated and indeed he appeared to be much more healthier than the rest of the captives that were being trained at the king's court. And so he um, continues with that diet. And it's an interesting story that really kind of sets the foundation because with the clear mind and a healthy body, Daniel the prophet is able to be used by God in um, proclaiming and sharing the visions and dreams that God gave to him regarding the future. As a matter of fact, the Bible has a lot to say about healthy living. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31, it says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul writes the following in verse 19 and 20. He says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so we see the setting of the book of Daniel here as we open to that first chapter. There is... An invasion of Jerusalem. There is a captivity. And amongst those captives is the prophet Daniel. He's a young man. He's brought to Babylon. There he is chosen and selected to serve the king and to be trained by the king. 
He is given the food of the king and the wine of the king, and yet he rejects the food and the wine of the king. He asks for vegetables and water. He asks for a healthy diet. This is given to him, and at the end of a period of training, it appears, according to Daniel chapter 1, the Bible says that he is ten, found to be ten times wiser than the others that were trained in the courts of the king. And so the setting of the story begins with a captivity. And I want to be, I want to, what I want to do tonight is just take a little bit of a step back here and look at the larger picture of scripture and how the story of Daniel fits into a larger, bigger picture of scripture. Um, because not only do we have a people in captivity in the story of Daniel, but actually there's a world that is in captivity that the Bible talks about, a world in the chains of sin. A world that we could say has been hijacked by sin. A world that needs to be set free. And the topic of Daniel is really powerfully illustrating, in a, to a larger sense also, the ultimate deliverance that is needed for this world. As a matter of fact, when Jerusalem was destroyed and the people of God, the Jews, the chosen people of God at that time, were taken from um, Jerusalem to Babylon, we see that they lost their kingdom and they lost their sanctuary. The temple was destroyed. And you take that picture that you find there in the book of Daniel and you take it and you apply it actually to the larger story of scripture. We see in scripture that the, um, the kingdom of God, the kingdom that God ultimately had made in the beginning, as you read the first chapters of the Bible about a perfect world and a perfect God and a perfect relationship between God and man. There's no sin, there's no suffering, there's no death. Uh, that world that God ordained from the beginning, that he created in the beginning, has been lost, has been lost and also needs to be restored. And so just as the kingdom had been lost, the kingdom of the Jews had been lost, so there is a kingdom that God made in the beginning that has also been lost and needs to be restored. And so we see how on a miniature scale, the story of Daniel is really the story of all humanity. And we're going to look at that theme a little bit more as we continue in our studies. Now you look at the book of Daniel and it has 12 chapters. It's a relatively short book in the Bible. And those 12 chapters can really be divided into two parts. We have chapter 1 to chapter 6 are the historic section of the book of Daniel, which mainly deal with the storyline of the prophet and what he experiences in Babylon. And so we just looked at the first story there in Daniel chapter 1, how he's taken captive and the food test, um, the training there at the court of the king. Uh, that's all found in chapter 1. And so you continue in chapter 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. And it gives you the storing line of the experiences that the prophet has in Babylon. And then chapter 7 to 12, the second portion of the book of Daniel, we could say, is the prophetic section, which deals with a lot of prophecies, not not only prophecies uh, for the time of the prophet, but prophecies leading to um, the events even in our days. 
and even in the future. And that uh, becomes very, very exciting to study those prophecies. But what happens many times is that people will neglect the stories and only study the prophecies, or others will just study the stories and not the prophecies. What I believe is of great importance is to bring the stories and the prophecies together because only then will you be able to grasp the full meaning of the prophecies because the stories are illustrative to what the prophecies really mean. And that's why I titled this entire series Echoes from the Past and Pictures of the Future because they really go together. And we're going to see that as we continue. Now, there is a twin book to the book of Daniel, and that is the book of Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible. And it is written by another prophet, and that is the prophet John. John was a disciple with Jesus. He walked and experienced um, the, 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 the life of Jesus for the three and a half years that he taught and preached and traveled around. He was even witness of the very death of Jesus. He was one of the close disciples of Jesus. And after Jesus uh, resurrected and ascended to heaven, he was one of those disciples that went out proclaiming the gospel. As a matter of fact, he was the only disciple that did not die a martyr's death. Uh, all the other disciples died a martyr's death. John was banished, was exiled to the island of Patmos, where he received visions from God, which he recorded in the last book of the Bible, in the book of Revelation. And why I bring this up right away here is because these book, books are really twin books. And when you study the one, um, you will only be able to really understand the one if you study it together with the other. And we, so we have the book of Daniel in the Old Testament with the time setting being around between five and six hundred, five hundred and six hundred years before Christ with the backdrop of Babylon. And then we have in the New Testament, we have the book of Revelation, the last book in the Bible, written by John on the island of Patmos. And the prophecies that he records are to be compared with the prophecies that Daniel recorded because really they go hand in hand. And the interesting thing about it is that both of them were exiled, both of them, or both of them were captives um, in their days. Uh, as I said, Daniel was a captive in Babylon and John was actually a captive of, of, of the empire of Rome at that time. And they banished him, they exiled him to this little island, the island of Patmos, and that's where he received his visions and dreams. And so we're going to study both of those books, the books of Daniel and Revelation, but as, um, as we begin our presentations, we're going to be focusing on the book of Daniel. But already here in this presentation, I have a couple of verses from the book of Revelation, because particularly when we look at this theme of a world in captivity, just like Daniel was, in, was a captive in Babylon, so in a sense, we all are captives in this world of sin and there needs to be a deliverance, and there is a deliverance, and that deliverance has been promised in God's word. But take notice how this battle began, or how this world became uh, captive to sin. Um, in the book of Revelation, we have a scripture that sheds a little bit light upon what we could call this great controversy that we are all involved in, that we find ourselves in. Because I believe that each one of us realizes that when we look at the world around 
around us, it's really not what it is meant to be. I mean, there is so much, there's so much sorrow, there's so much suffering, there's so much um, oppression, there's so much um, sickness, and, and all these things that we see and that we personally experience, there's certainly something going in our mind that this is not right, this is not how it's supposed to be. And certainly the Bible reveals that it's not supposed to be like this. There's something that is the cause of the world that we see today. And the book of Revelation sheds a little bit light on this. In Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, we, uh, verse 7 to 9, we read about what we could term a cosmic conflict that broke out um, a long, long time ago, even before this world existed. Listen to what it says in Revelation chapter 12 and verses 7 to 9. It says, And war broke out in heaven. And that's maybe the last place where you would expect war to break out. When we think about war today, you know, we think about maybe some countries in the Middle East or different parts of, of the world where we know there's a lot of unrest, there's a lot of war. But the Bible says that there was war in heaven. Now listen to this war as it describes this war here in the book of Revelation. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So there's a battle going on between an individual that is called Michael in scripture and his angels, and then the dragon and his angels. And the dragon and his angels is none other than, than Satan himself, and the Bible uh, indicates that or, or um, identifies that. And this being is fighting with Michael and his angels. Actually, Michael, the word Michael means, the name Michael means one who is like God. And um, you look at this battle, and the Bible not only describes this battle, but it gives us the outcome of this battle. It says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So this being, this dragon that is also called the devil and Satan, is cast out of heaven. Now, of course, there's a lot of questions that come to our mind as we read such a verse. Where, does it, where did this being come from in the first place? And wh why is he cast out of heaven? What happened? Well, let's look at a couple of other verses in order to understand what is going on here. And we're going to see how this eventually ties in with our topic also in the book of Daniel. But in the book of Ezekiel, which was, by the way, a contemporary of Daniel the prophet, um, he was amongst the captives as well, was another prophet. And if you look at the book of Ezekiel in your Bible, it is the book that is right previ just previous, just prior to the book of Daniel. And Ezekiel writes the following, uh, describing this, this cosmic conflict, this battle or, of this being that was once holy and upright, but then fell and made war against God himself. It talks about this being that Revelation described as a dragon, but is here described as what he was before he became that dragon. He was an anointed cherub. Listen to what Ezekiel says in, in chapter 28, beginning in verse 14. It says, You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. 
So it describes in this passage this, this beautiful being, this anointed cherub, which is, a, which is a type of an angel, we could say, an angel of God, this beautiful angel that even walks in the very presence of God. But then according to this scripture, he sinned. There was something that went on in his heart and he rebelled against his maker. And then the Bible says that his heart was lifted up. Your heart was lifted up of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that, I might, that they might gaze at you. There was a being and another scripture that we're going to go to in a moment calls this being Lucifer. It was an angel that was exalted and which even had right to come into the very presence of God. And yet this being rebelled against his maker and became known as the dragon or Satan and made war against God himself and was cast out of heaven and became, of course, the originator of sin in this world as he tempted Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden to eat of that forbidden fruit. This being, which led the world into sin and into captivity, we could say, is a being that is active in our world today to bring disaster and to bring calamity and to bring sorrow and suffering. And yet scripture promises us that there is a deliverer. There is a way for this world to be set free. Just like in the story of Daniel, there was a deliverer and ultimately the people that had been taken to Babylon, that had lost their kingdom, were able to return and the kingdom was restored. So the storyline of the book of Daniel, you can take that story and you can stretch it out over the, over the story of humanity and the Scriptures show this great controversy picture. Now, another scripture that tells us about what happened to this being Lucifer is the book of Isaiah, another prophet. Uh, Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12 to 15. The Bible says, How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, who weakened the, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the furthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high, yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit." So here this being is again described, and what does he want? He wants to go up, 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 up. He wants to be like God. He wants to sit where God sits. He wants to rule the universe. And many people ask that question, you know, how could a perfect being that God created, a perfect angel, how could he rebel against God? I mean, if he was perfectly created, how could sin exist in this being? It's a very good question. It's maybe a question that we cannot fully answer, but one thing is for sure, and that, God, and that is that when God creates, when God creates whether it's an angel or a human being or whatever God creates, God creates with uh, giving to his creation a free will, giving to angels and both to men free will to decide who they worship and decide who they serve. This is a very essential to the character of God. The character of God, God is such a God that he does not create robots. You know, we might at times like to have a robot to serve us that is just programmed to do what we say. Uh, so it is not with God, because think about this, love cannot exist if there is no free will. And maybe some of you are parents here, and you can think about your child. Um, if your child was programmed to obey you, and, he and, and, and your son or your daughter just did everything that you ever asked them to do, 
Uh, that might be nice, but you know, if it's just a program thing, that's really not what we want because that's just not love. Love has a free will. Love is able to express itself either in obedience or disobedience. And God wanted his beings to decide to worship him, to decide to love him. That is what true love is about. And so this is the character of God. And so God creates this being, Lucifer. Lucifer is this beautiful, exalted angel which walks in the very presence of God himself, and yet this being decides to rebel against his maker. This being decides to make war against the very one that brought him into existence. And the Bible says that he, as he made war, that he was cast out of heaven, and he became the very one that deceived the first human beings on this earth to lead this world into captivity, into sin. We could almost say that Lucifer, this being, which later became known as the dragon and Satan, has hijacked this world. And yet, we have good news. There is a deliverer. And that deliverer is none other than Jesus Christ. And I want to compare this scripture found in the book of Philippians with the scripture that we just read. We read in the book of Isaiah that this being Lucifer wanted to go up, 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 up. He wanted to be like the Most High. He wanted to exalt himself. Now, what did Jesus do in response to the self-exaltation of this being Lucifer? Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 2. This is a powerful and a beautiful scripture. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Now think about that for a moment. Lucifer wants to go up, and yet, ultimately, the scripture says he will be brought down. Jesus Christ, in response, in order to save this world that is now captive to Lucifer, captive to the devil and the dragon, what does he do? He comes down. He becomes a man. He condescends and becomes one of us. And not only does he become one of us, but he dies the death that we deserve so that we can receive eternal life, which he gives to us as a gift. And so God highly exalts him. First he condescends, he dies, but we know from the story of the gospel that he was resurrected and God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. This is kind of the, the bigger story. I hope you're starting to see the bigger story because the really the story of redemption, the story of the gospel, the story of how this great controversy is being played out in our world is really the story that we encounter in a miniature scale in the book of Daniel. Because we are also captives, captives in a world of sin, just like the prophet Daniel was captive in Babylon. And we have a redeemer, we have one that saves us, that sets us free, and that is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Now, a world, we, we live in a world in chains of sin, and the ultimate deliverance 
will take place when Christ comes again. Scripture talks a lot about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, many Christians today will talk about the first coming of Jesus. They were talking about the death of Christ and his resurrection. But I find that as I travel around and meet many different Christians from different denominations, I find that there are less and less Christians that talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, the second coming of Jesus Christ is the great hope of the Christian. As a matter of fact, the, the New Testament and also the Old Testament, particularly the New Testament, is full of promises about Jesus Christ returning the second time to deliver his people. And just like Daniel in Babylon, ultimately his people were delivered from Babylon, so we in this world of captivity will ultimately be delivered by Jesus Christ when he comes again. Now when we come to the prophetic section of the book of Daniel, we are going to look at some incredible prophecies that show with accuracy where we are in the scope of time and that show us very clear that the next thing on the horizon very close to us is the second coming of Christ which is a great great joy for the Christian and so we're going to look at some of those inspiring prophecies together but I hope you're grasping here at our first presentation kind of the picture that I'm trying to paint before you we have the prophet Daniel in Babylon and yet we are part of this story because we are in a sense also in captivity waiting for the deliverance of Christ. Christ has delivered us already through the cross. We can um, obtain the promises of Christ through faith in him. We can gain the victory in our lives through believing and trusting in Jesus Christ and yet the ultimate deliverance from this world will happen when he comes the second time. So let's go back to Babylon for a moment. We started our presentation in Babylon, this first presentation, and we want to go back there as we close here tonight, our first session. Babylon, what a mighty kingdom, a mighty kingdom. If, if we could just picture it for a moment uh, before us in our minds, Babylon was a huge empire. It was a mighty empire. It was an oppressive empire. It went conquering nation after nation after nation. There seemed, it seemed to be that no one could resist the kingdom of Babylon. And so even the people of God, the chosen people of God, became subject to this mighty kingdom. It's almost like the sin and the suffering in our world that is so, so oppressive, that is so, we see it all around us. It has surrounded us many ways, like God's people were surrounded by Babylon. And yet, in Babylon, we read already in the very first chapter how the prophet was faithful how the prophet, that they changed his name. Remember, they changed his name from, from Daniel to Belteshazzar. And the names of his friends were changed to honor the gods of the Babylonians. But though they changed his surrounding, and though they changed his name, they could not change their character. They could not change their character. Their character was a character of faith. Their character was a character of determination to serve God. We see the honesty and the determination and really the Spirit of God working in their lives in a powerful way. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, listen to what this scripture says. It says, now all these things happened to them, talking about the stories of the Old Testament, as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. Here is Paul, he's writing to the church of Corinthian of the Corinthians and he as he writes to them he's reflecting upon some of the stories of the Old Testament 
And then he says, he says, all these things happened to them in the past at, for a reason. And what's the reason that it happened to them in the past? They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. And certainly, in the very days in, a, the very days in which we are living, we can look back at those stories of the past. And they're not just there as you know, interesting stories for us to read. They're not just a historic account of things that happened. But they are there for our admonition. They are there for us to, so that we can learn from those stories, that we can grow through those stories, that we can apply those stories even to our own story, to our own lives. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4, it says the following, But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Until the time of the end, many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. In a very special way, the book of Daniel is for our day and age. It's for our time. When Daniel wrote that book, that short book of 12 chapters, we read at the end of that book, as he comes to the end of his book, he says, it is said to him by a heavenly messenger, shut up the words, seal the book, until the time of the end. There was a time that his book was going to be opened. It was a time that his book was going to be understood. And we have arrived in that time. Many are running to and fro. As a matter of fact, when we look at our world today, it is easy to run to and fro. Travel has become so easy. Um, I get on a plane. I'm, my wife and I, we live in, in, in Norway. And last week I, I got on a plane and, you know, it's a matter of hours later, nine, ten hours later, and here we are on the other side of the world. Many are running to and fro. Knowledge has increased. I mean, look at the technology in our world. We even look at our parents and our grandparents and what they had when they were growing up and look at what this generation has. Knowledge has increased. Many are running to and fro. There's no doubt about that. Um, we look at the rapid increase of knowledge, the rapid increase of traveling, and certainly we can look at this verse, and not only are many running to and fro and knowledge is increasing, but also the knowledge of prophecy is increasing. We are living in a time that we can take the Word of God, we can take the prophecies that have been given to us, and we can open them, and they are not shrouded in mystery anymore. God is, in a sense, He has pulled back the curtains, and He's given us open display, an open picture and view of what the future is holding for us. And so I'm very excited that, you've been, that you have come to these meetings and I hope that you will continue to come and bring your friends along as we are going to dig deep into the scriptures, into the prophecies, going chapter by chapter through the book of Daniel and through the book of Revelation. And I believe that we will be blessed as we discover many, many truths about the past about the times in which we're living and the very near future so that we can be prepared for that ultimate deliverance when Christ comes the second time. And so what we want to do, we want to have a word of prayer and then we're going to take a little break and then we're going to go into our second session, into our second presentation, which is titled Prophetic Symbols and the Future of This World. Let's have a word of prayer as we, before we take a break. Father in heaven, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for... Um, guiding us in our understanding and as we've just had an overview of, of, of the book of Daniel and um, the first chapter there, we are thankful, Lord, for the experiences that we can so relate to, Lord, as we realize that we are in a world 
um, of kept, uh, a world that has been taken captive. And yet, Lord, we have a deliverer, and uh, we trust in him, and we cling to him, knowing that he will set us free, and ultimately, that he has prepared a better place for us, that you have prepared a better place for us. Lord, thank you for this study. Please be with us now as we take a break, and we thank you for all in Jesus' name. Amen. If this episode impacted you, please share it with others. Amazing Discoveries is a donor-supported ministry. To help us keep producing content like this, visit AmazingDiscoveries.org. And, as always, you can find the visual presentation of this episode on ADTV.watch.